Acts chapter 18, starting at verse 1. After this, Paul left Athens and went to Corinth, and he found a Jew named Aquila, a native of Pontus, recently come from Italy with his wife Priscilla. Because Claudius had commanded all the Jews to leave Rome, and he went to see them, and because he was of the same trade, he stayed with them and worked, for they were tent makers by trade. And he reasoned in the synagogue every Sabbath and tried to persuade Jews and Greeks. When Silas and Timothy arrived from Macedonia, Paul was occupied with the word, testifying to the Jews that the Christ was Jesus. And when they had posed and reviled him, he shook out his garments and said to them, Your blood be on your own heads. I am innocent. From now on I will go to the Gentiles. And he left there and went to the house of a man named Titius Justus, a worshipper of God. His house was next door to the synagogue. Crispus, the ruler of the synagogue, believed in the Lord together with his entire household. And many of the Corinthians, hearing Paul, believed and were baptized. And the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Don't be afraid, but go on speaking and do not be silent, for I am with you. And no one will attack you to harm you, for I have many in the city who are my people. And he stayed a year and six months teaching the word of God among them. Verse 12. But when Gallio was proconsul of Achaia, the Jews made a united attack on Paul and brought him before the tribunal, saying, This man is persuading people to worship God contrary to the law. But when Paul was about to open his mouth, Gallio said to the Jews, If it were a matter of wrongdoing or vicious crime, O Jews, I would have reason to accept your complaint. But since it is a matter of questions about words and names and your own law, see to it yourselves. I refuse to judge, to, to, to be a judge of these things. And he drove them from the tribunal, and they all seized Sothenes, the ruler of the synagogue, and beat him in front of the tribunal. But Gallia paid no attention to any of this. Let's pray. Father, we thank you for this beautiful morning. Thank you that we can all gather together in person, that we can come and worship you in spirit and truth, but that we can come and hear your word preached, that your word can minister to our hearts, that it can build us up in Christ Jesus to be strong and courageous, so we can go out there and be faithful witnesses in our lifestyle with our works and our words. So, Father, please, Continue to help us to hear the word and to be faithful doers of the word. Help me to be clear and understood. But help us to be encouraged. Help us to, to keep our eyes fixed on Jesus. There is our hope in this world. A future hope. A hope that, that should, should encourage us to keep running the race. Keep looking to him as we endure whatever's going on in our community, in our country and in the world. So Father, please be merciful to me. Help me to be understood, help us to listen, and help us all just to work together in love and harmony so we can build a church here in Robertson for your glory and your honour. Pray and ask this all in Jesus' name. Amen.
If I had to ask, who needs encouragement? Put up your hand. I'm quite sure my hands would go. If you don't, you're welcome to leave. Or you can come take over and preach. Because I need encouragement. We all need encouragement. Especially what we're going through with this COVID-19. Fatigue starts stepping in. Think about one of the fruits of the Spirit. It's patience. We can become impatient. Self-control. We can lack self-control. So we all, somewhere along the line, need encouragement. And so did the Apostle Paul. And so this morning I'm going to continue to, to look at Paul's encouragement from Acts chapter 18. To see that his encouragement came from two different ways. And last week we looked at the one way, which was from fellowship with believers. And this morning when we get there, we will look at the second way, which is from God. And we'll see how important it is for us to be encouraged. How important encouragement is for us. I'll just read something from Acts chapter, I think it's 20. And just, just listen to this and tell me if Paul needed encouragement or not. Testifying both to Jews and to Greeks of repentance towards God and of faith in our Lord Jesus Christ. And now behold, I'm going to Jerusalem. This is Paul speaking in Acts chapter 20, verse 22. Constrained by the Spirit, not knowing what will happen to me there, except that the Holy Spirit testifies to me in every city that imprisonment and afflictions wait for me. Paul needs encouragement but the question is for us where does our encouragement come from who do you go to for encouragement what kind of encouragement do you seek as christians what kind of encouragement are we seeking we can say there's two types of encouragement but the first one is not really biblical encouragement and that is really complementing each other i shared that last week Someone walks in here and they've got a nice jersey on, we can say, wow, your jersey looks nice. That's a compliment. That does do something to their whole being. It kind of maybe, we call maybe encourages them, makes them feel good. Or you've got a new car and you go out and you see, wow, this is a really nice car. And can, I, can you take me for a drive? And you speak about a nice car and you, you're complimenting. But as Christians, if, if Jack phones me up and says, Mark, I'm not feeling well. I'm feeling a little bit down. Can we meet for coffee? What do I do? Do I arrive and we speak about rugby, soccer, cricket, the weather? Nothing wrong with that. But would that be encouragement? Or do I think, okay, I'm meeting Jack. He's a brother. What am I going to do? I'm going to take some scripture. I'm going to take my Bible with me. I'm going to take some verses with me. And I'm going to pray for him. So we, our conversation is spiritual. We have fellowship. And I encourage him. I leave there and, and, and I've prayed for him and I've shared scripture with him and hopefully I've built him up. Hopefully I've encouraged him. Yes, and we'll talk about other things, mundane things, etc. That's biblical encouragement. When Paul and Barnabas had been on their first missionary journey and they decided we're going to go back to the, some of the churches that we proclaim the gospel to to see how they're doing. And what the verse 
says they went back through Syria and Cilicia, strengthening and encouraging the churches. How? How did they strengthen and encourage the churches? Did they go and tell the people how God has blessed them and, 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 and they spoke about themselves? No. They went back and they encouraged them in the faith. And they used scripture. They would have used scripture from the Old Testament and Paul would have used scripture that was put in the New Testament eventually. Because we read in Romans, for whatever was written in former days was written for our instruction that through endurance and through the encouragement of the scriptures we might have hope, a future hope, a beautiful hope. But what do we use? We use scriptures to encourage each other because scriptures are there to encourage us. What Mark shared with us is encouraging. It encouraged him and then he wants to share that with other people to encourage them and to say, this is how it helped me. This is such a beautiful prayer. Solomon's prayer. When Mark asked the question, the reason why I put up my hand was I was going to say, my dad was the wisest man. But that's a joke. But we know Solomon, but after that came Jesus. But there was a man that was the greatest man. That, lived. that was John the Baptist. So there are these great men, but we know Jesus was the true man and true God, truly God, truly man, and perfect in everything. But encouragement, encouragement comes from God's word and it gives us hope, future hope. We have a wonderful future waiting for us. That should encourage us to endure this race. God commands us to encourage each other. The fact that we're here this morning, we are here to encourage each other. Unfortunately, we don't have tea and coffee because of what's going on. But Hebrews 10, 24 to 25 says, And let us consider how to stir up one another to love and good works, not neglecting to meet together as is the habit of some, but encouraging one another. And all the more as you see the day drawing near. Mark, don't give up. Keep running this race. Keep your eyes fixed on Jesus because that day is drawing near. Jesus is coming soon. That's what we encourage in each other, to keep running that race. In a marathon, if it's a half marathon or a full marathon or an ultra marathon, the guys have seconds to, to encourage them, to, to spur them on to get to the end of the finish line or to get to the finish line. And we spur in each other on through God's word. Because Jesus has warned us. He has said in his own words, in this world you will have trouble. But then he followed up with these encouraging words. Take heart, I've overcome the world. But we will have trouble. He has promised persecution. He has promised suffering. He has promised trials of various kinds. Sin steals our joy, our bodies break down, we get sick, our plans falter, our dreams die. Because we live in a fallen world. So we will need encouragement. And God knows that. God knew that Paul needed encouragement heading for Corinth. So let's just recap quickly on our first way how God encouraged Paul. Or how Paul's encouragement came to him. The first way was through Having fellowship with Christians. 
I'm just going to recap on that. But if you want to hear it in the flesh, um, in a fuller sense, go listen to last week's sermon on this first way of Paul's encouragement, which came from fellowshipping with Christians. And the question I ask ourselves, and this was found in verses 1 to 8 of Acts chapter 18, is how do we know Paul needed encouragement? We don't read it there. We don't read it. We just read in verse 9 that the Lord appeared to Paul and said, Do not be afraid. So, so there was something going on in his mind and his heart. And somehow he needed to be encouraged that don't be afraid, Paul. But how do we know? Well, we just got to be looking at the book of Corinth. And in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verse 3, it says there, on his way to Corinth, it says, I was with you in weakness and in fear and much trembling. That's how he arrived in Corinth. He had just come from Philippi, where he was imprisoned. He came from Thessalonica and Berea, where he was run out of those towns. He was chased out of those towns. And in Athens, he was mocked. Who wouldn't be discouraged? Who wouldn't be walking like a little bit downcast? But he kept on. But he is human. We're all human. We need encouragement. doesn't matter how physically strong we look or what... What, what, what um, our status is or what position we are in a business, if you're a CEO or whatever, we all still need encouragement. And the most beautiful thing, when he gets to Athens, God knows that he needs encouragement. There he meets two lovely people, a Jew named Aquila and his wife named Priscilla. I don't think Paul took that for granted that he would just arrive in Corinth and meet a Christian. When Paul was in, in jail in Philippi, you find him and Silas in prison praying and singing songs. Paul was a man of prayer. Paul would have prayed, Lord, I need encouragement. You know my heart. You know what's going on. Paul was training to be a Pharisee. He knew the Scriptures because he knew that in a Psalm 10, verse 17, you hear, O Lord, the desires of the afflicted. You encourage them and you listen to their cry. Do we cry out to the Lord when we need encouragement? Paul did. We should. And look, when he gets to Corinth, there he meets up with two lovely Christians, a married couple, Aquila and Priscilla. And they too needed encouragement. Why? Because they were kicked out of Rome. How would you feel, or all of us feel, if tomorrow we were kicked out of Robertson? Because whoever was the mayor didn't like Christians. Leave, get out of here, go live somewhere else. Would you arrive on the other side all happy? You would need encouragement. You'd be broken. But sometimes we walk around like we don't need encouragement. We've all got it made and everything's together. Not Paul. He needed encouragement. You can listen more to the sermon about what I have to say. But then the beautiful thing in verse 5 of Acts chapter 18, we see two other brothers arriving. Silas and Timothy. Wow! More encouragement. Plus they bring him some, some money for help so they can free him up and, and basically preach the word and keep proclaiming the gospel. It doesn't say in, in Acts chapter 18, but if you read in Corinth and in Philippians, you'll see that they, they brought him some support. 
And then they brought words of encouragement. And then what else encouraged Paul? Well, as he kept preaching the gospel, even though he was opposed, he was encouraged. Pastures, justice, he had to go to his home, and guess where his home is? Right next to the synagogue. There's an opportunity to carry on witnessing. He has a friend that's going to look after him and take care of him. Eventually we read Crispus, the, the synagogue ruler, is saved. And his whole household. Isn't that encouragement? Paul keeps on. But the encouragement is keeping him on. And as he keeps on, so he's encouraged for what's going on in his work. And other folk living in Corinth, many of the Corinthians here in Paul believed and were baptized. God is always encouraging us in some form. Definitely through people, but through blessings as well. I was a little bit despondent last night, thinking, oh, load shedding. I chatted with Mornay. Mornay, we're probably going to have to have a generator this morning because load shedding is between 10 and 12.30. I too, when I was at home, just cried out to the Lord, Lord, we need church, please. Then a notice came through, load shedding suspended until 5 o'clock this evening. Just cry out to the Lord. Nothing's too big for him, nothing's too small for him. It's a disruption. This virus is a disruption. The load shedding is a disruption. But we need to persevere. And we need to encourage each other. Businesses are struggling. We struggle. But let's keep running the race. Yoking with each other. And encouraging each other. Because it's important for spiritual growth. And I was reading around and it really, what this one man said, one of the ways in which God, the Holy Spirit, helps Christians in fellowship with Jesus is through encouragement. It keeps us in fellowship with Christ. It keeps our eyes fixed on Him if we're encouraging each other. But let's look at our second way. The second way how Paul's encouragement came to him, which was fellowship with God. And we see that now in verses 9 to 17, mainly in verses 9 to 11. We see how the Lord, which was Jesus, how the Lord said to Paul one night in a vision, Don't be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent. Obviously, Paul was, it was, Paul was thinking of just maybe quitting. He had to write to Timothy, Timothy, don't give up. God has not given us a spirit of timidity, but of love and of power and of self-control. Keep up, my dear friend. Keep up, my dear brother. Keep fighting that fight. Look what's happened to me. Yes, it's going to happen to you, but let's keep marching on. Let's keep being that farmer, that soldier, that athlete, that teacher. And let's keep running the race. Paul was an amazing man. As much as he needed encouragement, he kept encouraging others. But when we discourage, we just lose hope. We just forget about other people. We just think, woe is me. But Paul, if I can, um, if I can just find it quickly, I wrote it here. Um, 
You know, I'm going to say something tongue-in-cheek, but it's amazing you have all these evangelists out there today and people that call themselves super apostles. And some people say, I would love to, I'd love to be like Paul and, and what he did. But they don't want to go down the same road Paul went. They want a ministry where there's no suffering, no persecution. As long as they're blessed, then they can buy things. Because this, this um, listen to this in 2 Corinthians um, 11. And are they servants of Christ? I'm better one. I'm talking like a madman with, a great, with far greater labors, far more imprisonments, with countless beatings and often near death. Five times I received at the hands of the Jews the forty lashes, less one. Three times I was beaten with rods. Once I was stoned. Three times I was shipwrecked at, at night and day. And I was adrift at sea on frequent journeys in danger from rivers, dangers from robbers, dangers from my own people, dangers from Gentiles, danger in the city, danger in the wilderness, danger at sea, danger from false prophets in toil and hardship, through many a sleepless night, in hunger and thirst. Must I carry on? What are these super apostles doing? Are they experiencing this? No, I'll tell you the truth. They're ripping their own people off. Because they can have a wonderful life. Not Paul. Paul suffered for what he did. And he needed encouragement. We too need encouragement. And the most beautiful thing is the Lord appears to him in a vision. Now I ask myself this question. And I don't, please, just listen and hear where I'm coming from. There's a lot of people out there, they, 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 they want visions. They would love to meet Jesus. They would love Jesus to come to them and talk to them. And they wait. At the expense of actually going to his word. So my question to us. If Jesus came to Mark and said this to Mark. I hope Mark doesn't mind if I use him. I think he won't mind. We're brothers. We're friends. And he comes to Mark and says, Mark, come to me all who are weary and heavy laden. And I will give you a rest for your souls. Because I'm humble and gentle. And he said that to Mark. Mark picks up the scriptures and he reads that exact verse in Matthew chapter, I think it's 11. Come to me all you and weary and heavy laden and I'll give you rest for your souls because I'm gentle and humble in heart. Gentle and humble in heart. Which one has more meaning? Which one has more authority? Are you going to say Jesus' words? Or are you going to say the Bible's words? Can I tell you the truth? They both have authority. They're both exactly the same. We think if we see Jesus, it's going, to do, it's going to do something more for us. It's going to take away our sin, maybe. It's going to make us have better fellowship. It's going to make us a better Christian. But the fact that Jesus speaks to you, and His Word speaks to you, it's exactly the same. When He said to Paul, do not be afraid, do you think Paul's fear went away completely? No. Read a few more chapters in the book of Acts and you'll see the Lord came to Paul and said, Again, don't be afraid. The ship is not going to sink. But if you guys jump off, you're all going to die. If you all stay on, you're going to live. 
We kind of, in our mind, thinking that, that Jesus will be more for us if we have to see him. And if we don't. But his word is the authoritative word of God. His word encourages us. We, don't, we, we forget that, that long ago and many times and in many ways God spoke to our fathers by the prophets. But in his last days he has spoken to us by his son. Where? In his word. This is the greatest book that man has been given to encourage them, to, to first to save them and then show them the way. Show them how to get to heaven, we could say. There's your destination. He has a blueprint for life. Because Jesus says, um, I am the way, I am the truth, I am the life. Whoever comes to me comes to my Father. He is the way. So why don't we just, just look at the Scriptures and, and not wait for something extra-biblical to happen? Why do we need a vision of God to encourage us when we have such beautiful words in Hebrews chapter 13, verses 5 to 6? I will never leave you nor forsake you. So we can confidently say, the Lord is my helper. I will never fear. What can man do to me? How encouraging are those words? Or Isaiah, you can read in Isaiah 41.10, where God has said to us, the Holy Spirit has written this for us. Yes, it's Isaiah, but fear not, for I am with you. Do not be dismayed, for I am your God. I will strengthen you. I will help you. I will uphold you with my righteous right hand. Do these words mean something to us? Do we embrace these truths and hold on to them in our hearts for encouragement, for strength? And then do we take them and we encourage a brother or a sister that needs encouragement? Why do we, know we need to wait for someone like Jesus or God to come to us? Where he himself is Emmanuel, God with us. All these words he says to his disciples and us, and behold, I'm with you always to the end of the age. All I can say for myself is that when discouragement comes, I run to the word to the author and perfecter of my faith and I fix my eyes on him for him to encourage me because he has promised he will never leave me he will never forsake me he has said he who is in me is far greater than he who is in the world and Mark don't worry when you have trouble I've overcome that come to me and you'll be an overcomer but it's beautiful to see yeah God, I mean, Paul didn't have the canon of Scripture. And we see the Lord coming to Paul, knowing his need, knowing he needed encouragement. Do you think God doesn't know we need encouragement? And he comes to Paul, and, he, and the Lord comes to Paul, or Jesus comes to Paul, and he just says, don't be afraid, but go on speaking, and do not be silent, for I'm with you, and no one will attack you. To harm you, for I'm, I'm many in the city who are my people. What Jesus is showing Paul and us is his love and his care for his children, his people. God cares for us. God knows what's going on in our hearts now as you sit here. He knows what's going on in our community. He knows what's going on in our world. He knows what's going on in this country. 
But are we going to him for encouragement? Are we taking refuge in him as our rock, our fortress? Because this is what Paul did. Paul cried out. I read that psalm earlier on. And he was encouraged by brothers and sisters. But here he's encouraged by God. And God says to him, Paul, my child, keep preaching. I have people in the city that need to hear the word. Faith comes from hearing, hearing the word of Christ. The Holy Spirit is kind of hovering over them, ready to save them. Your responsibility, Paul, is to obey God. My responsibility, Paul, is to save them. Our responsibility is to go out there and live the Christian life. Be responsible. When you have opportunities, share it, witness it. And God's responsibility will save those he has called to himself through his Son, his only begotten Son, in whom we have redemption, the forgiveness of sins. God encouraged Joshua, a great Old Testament book. Read the book of Joshua. See Joshua. He had to take over from Moses. Imagine taking over from Moses, this, this great man, this, this, this prophet, this servant, humble servant. Now Joshua has to walk in his footsteps, wear his shoes, we could say. But after Moses died, God reminded Joshua. It's amazing, in Joshua chapter 1, I think it's at least four or five times God has to tell Joshua, be strong and courageous, be strong and courageous. But here, he says to him, No man shall be able to stand before you, Joshua, all the days of your life. Just as I was with Moses, so I will be with you. I will not leave you or forsake you. Have I not commanded you? Be strong and courageous. Do not be frightened and do not be dismayed. For the Lord your God is with you wherever you go. That's how God encouraged Joshua. Words. Powerful words. Truth in those words. And God is, does the same for us. He tells us not to be afraid. If I'm with you, who can be against you? God is always encouraging us. And what's amazing, we see that Paul ended up staying in the city for a year and a half. A year and six months teaching the word. And as he taught the word in Corinth, so many people were saved. Those that God said are my people. But obviously as Paul preached, there rose up against him some Jews. But here we see Jesus' faithfulness to what he just told Paul. Do not be afraid. No one's going to harm you. No one's going to attack you. Go on speaking. Do not be silent, for I'm with you. No one will attack you or harm you. For I have many in the city who are my people. And yes, some Jews rise up against him. But like I said, we see Jesus' faithfulness to his promise to Paul. No one attacked him. He just had to go before Gallia, the proconsul, or the governor. And the Jews stated their case. 
He's saying he's persuading men to worship God contrary to the law. Paul tried to say some and Gallia kind of closed his mouth. Maybe it was good that Paul didn't say anything because he might have stirred up the crowd more. God knows our hearts. He knows how to shut our mouths and open our mouths. But Gallio was not willing to do anything to Paul. He was unwilling to make any decision against Paul because his deeds had nothing to do with normal jurisdiction of crime and punishment. Someone said that this, this was a charge with far-reaching implications. Had Gallia ruled in the Jews' favour, Christianity could have been banned not only in Corinth, but also throughout the whole empire. But Jesus kept his promise. No harm came to Paul. And then they go take their frustration out on a fellow Jew, Sosthenes, Sosthenes. And they go and they beat him up, the leader of the synagogue. He might have taken over from Crispus, but they beat him up. And it was an illegal beating. Gallio turns a blind eye, not interested. This could be the same Sosthenes mentioned by Paul in 1 Corinthians chapter 1, verse 1, who was eventually saved by God. How do you think this man would have eventually been saved? Yes, we know he would have heard the message. How would he have heard the message? We can speculate, but Crispus and Paul, Crispus, the previous synagogue owner, and Paul, um, using Tarsus Justice's home, I've got a feeling they would have welcomed Sophonis into the home, cleaned up his wounds, loved him, witnessed to him, encouraged him, just like what, just what Paul and Silas, or what the jailer did for Paul. And Paul, as, as the jailer, encouraged Paul and, and comforted him. So, they would have witnessed to the jailer more about what it means to believe and to be saved. Are we encouraging people? Are we going out there? Are we encouraging brothers and sisters? Are we allowing people to encourage us? Are we going to the Bible so God can encourage us? These two different ways that we looked at, how Paul's encouragement came to him, fellowship with Christians and fellowship with God, are, are we doing that in our own lives? Are we encouraging Christians? Like I said, are we allowing them to encourage us? Are we allowing God to encourage us as we go to the Scriptures? Jesus saved us to give us a new life. And to walk as new creatures and, and to walk in newness of life. To take our eyes off ourselves and to fix them on Him. To deny ourselves and to, and to take up our cross and follow Him. And as we follow Him, we should, we should encourage one another. We should encourage one another because of sin, because of evil, because of the days being hard. We live in a fallen world. But we want to see our brothers continue in the faith. 
That's why there's a beautiful scripture from Hebrews chapter 3, verse 12. Take care, brothers and sisters, that there not be in any way one of you a wicked, unbelieving heart, which refuses to trust and rely on the Lord, a heart that turns away from the living God, but continually encourage one another every day, as long as it is called today, and when there is an opportunity, so that none of you will be hardened into settled rebellion by the deceitfulness of sin, its cleverness, delusive glamour and sophistication. This is from the Amplified Bible. Paul's encouragement came from brothers and sisters. God encouraged them. Let us learn from Paul. Let us encourage people. Let, us, let people encourage us so we can endure our race. Let God encourage us so we do not fall into sin and fall into temptation. But we run this race helping each other, by encouraging each other. Because if Jesus is for us, who can be against us? Let's pray. Heavenly Father, thank you for your kindness, your goodness, your compassion. Thank you that you are a, a gracious and merciful God, a long-suffering God. But thank you for brothers and sisters in Christ who encourage one another. And thank you that through the scriptures you encourage us. We can take refuge in you. You are our rock, our fortress. And you're there to encourage us, to strengthen us, to make us strong and courageous. So Father, please forgive us if we're not doing this. Please forgive us if we, if we ignore encouraging a brother that needs it. We just turn a blind eye. We just pat him on the back and say it will go well with you. Help us, Father. Please help us to, to, to take our eyes off ourselves and stop being selfish, but become otherly, loving our neighbour as ourselves, loving one another and helping each other. Well, I think of this retreat, just meeting together as brothers in Christ, as leaders, how we were all encouraged through each other. And how we can benefit from that. And the same is on the ground here. If we encourage one another and are encouraged by God, we can run this race with joy and gladness and endure it as we encourage others. So Father, please help us all. Give us the wisdom to put aside our selfish desires and put on the cross and walk humbly with you. Have mercy upon us, Father. Please help us. I pray and ask this all in Jesus' name.